American woman. It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories. I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations. The latest in politics and world affairs. With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not. Today's current opinions and ideas. I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the show. Uh, I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is KimMunson.com, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. That's where you get the first look at the upcoming guests for the next week, as well as our op-eds, our guest op-eds, our Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. Uh, So be sure and sign up there. Go over to Facebook and give us a like as well. We greatly appreciate that. Good show planned for you again today. We'll go through some headlines in this first segment. Uh, we'll talk with Dr. Jill Vecchio in the second segment. She has come up with a 10-point plan to fix health care. It's about time somebody did that, Producer Steve. Well, knowing the way you guys dig deep, I'm hoping you get to all 10 points. Well, this is true. And if we don't, uh, we're actually going to record a podcast tomorrow that will roll out this Sunday in the newsletter. Excellent. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll take a deeper dive on that. And then in the third and fourth segment, we're going to talk with Gray Buckley. He's a 35-year career, had a 35-year career in state and local law enforcement in Michigan, Maryland, and Colorado. And we'll talk about what's going on down at the Capitol, policing, what's happening with our policemen and policewomen. So that will be a very important conversation as well. My friends, as we look at these issues, we look at them as freedom versus force, force versus freedom, or also with what's going on now with the scandemic, uh, freedom versus fear, fear versus freedom. And uh, ultimately, socialism comes down to force. It's never compassionate to take other people's stuff, their rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether it is with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, or fear. My favorite, the last one. (laughs) Or your most unfavorite one. I added in the last one, though, fear, after your your, uh, unpredictable and excessive taxation. Did you say scamdemic? (laughs) I did. I've also heard uh, plandemic, P-L-A-N. There's a lot of clever people out there. Uh You know, I heard one of the other radio hosts yesterday say, that uh, there had been a, a, a report, survey, study, whatever, uh, done that most everyday people, uh, many everyday people, think that 9% of the U.S. population has died from this planned scandemic. I heard that too, yes. And that would be 30 million people. Uh, and actually, Patty, you know, she's keeping a running total, just so you know, right here. This is the Colorado numbers as of uh, as of July 28th. This is per the CDPHE. There were 45, just under 46,000 cases here in Colorado of COVID-19 Wuhan virus. Hospitalized were 6,398, and the deaths in Colorado was 1,688. The U.S. totals as of July 29th at 7:30 p.m. Were the number of cases were 4,414,000, and 
and 150,447 deaths. 150,000 versus 30 million. That's a big difference, Steve. And I actually, we, we know we've seen reports where they're, they're padding the numbers as it is. Uh, and when we did, uh, go back and listen to the podcast that I did with Jill from last week, uh, because she is talking about something that most people are not talking about, and that is the difference between cases and positive test results. There is a big difference between the two. So it, uh, jumping in here, though, we wanted to say thank you to the team, uh, Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie, and to each of you listeners. You're each, you're treasured, you're valued, and you have a purpose Strive for excellence today. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. Our quote for today, since I was going to be talking with Jill in the second segment, I'm thinking medical, Florence Nightingale. We haven't done any Florence Nightingale quotes, so here you go. Florence Nightingale was the founder of modern nursing. She came to prominence while serving as a manager and trainer of nurses during the Crimean War, in which she organized care for wounded soldiers. She gave nursing a favorable reputation <clears throat> and became an icon of Victorian culture, especially in the persona of the lady with the lamp while making rounds of wounded soldiers at night. She was born in 1820. She died in 1910 at the age of 90. And this is a really good one, Steve. She said, I attribute my success to this. I never gave or took an excuse. What wow. do you think? <laughs> And I look at this culture today, which is nothing but excuses. Nothing but excuses. And, and finger pointing and, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So before we get into this headline that I want to hit, I just wanted to mention something about Reggie Carr and Johnny Thomas, the I'm a Trumpster guys. Uh, we have, there's been some glitches delayed. It's kind of like, you know, planning a wedding. It's like there's always going to be something that happens. And so we've had some delays on that. So the party with the bus is going to be sometime in early August. So many of you have contributed, uh, and I need to make sure that I get you your battle masks. I thought what we were going to do is I thought when we had the party, I would just give them to you at that time. But since we've been delayed, I feel like I should mail them to you. So if you have contributed, just email me at kim at kimmunson.com and let me know. Give me your address so that I can get your battle mask to you and also how much you uh, contributed. And how this works is go to imatrumpster.com to contribute, and then just email me with your name and your address and how much you contributed. And for every $50 that you contribute, you get one of these really cool battle masks. And, you know, I, I'm... Uh, this whole battle, this whole mask thing. I, I tell you what, you know, I feel like I'm in 1984, Steve, when I uh, drive in, uh, you know, all the electronic signs now. Uh, it says, you know, uh, mandatory mask wearing. I, I feel like I'm in 19, 1984 with uh, government uh, propaganda signs. Well, it's not just the mask itself, but like you said, the electronic sign telling you about the mask. And I'm back to that, that psychological impact that goes with it. Mm-hmm. That, that psychological impact of submission. Later today, I'm going to record a uh, bra uh, podcast with Stephen Peck, a former, uh, uh, let's see, Douglas County School Board director, uh, because we've had some conversations back and forth regarding the masks. And uh, so anyway, that'll be a great conversation. What I want to talk about, though, right now, this is um, one of the headlines that Patty found. This is from the Denverite.com, that Mayor Hancock announces a new government-run think tank 
to tackle racism. Now, look at this. There's big danger in what is happening here. Framing racism as a public health crisis requiring a vaccine. Ma Mayor Michael Hancock on Monday said during his State of the City speech, his office will establish a think tank to host conversations about racism and its impact on the city and beyond. That first sentence has three things there that I think we really need to take a look at. Framing racism. First of all, racism is learned. And uh, when we define people by groups instead of individuals, this is moving us to a caste system like what there is in India. You can't get out of that group. This whole, this whole narrative on white privilege is trying to push people into this group and saying that, you know, because of their skin color, they've had privilege. How many people have you talked with that their parents, their grandparents, grew up very poor? And the reason that they were successful was not because they were, you know, governments used something to push other people down and to lift them up. It was because they worked hard, they saved, and they worked as individuals. They, you know, I, I find it, I, I find it really disappointing that we now have uh, elected representatives, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties that want to define us as groups. And let's think about it. You can't go any higher than what these officials are going to say you can go. And so, first of all, racism is something that is learned. It, it is, uh, you know, we certainly can look at each other and realize we have differences, but to identify people as groups is antithetical to the American idea that all men are created equal with these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And there is a quote by Calvin Coolidge. He said, if all men are created equal, then that is final. What more can there be? And if every man has these inalienable rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, then that is final. So what Mayor Hancock is doing is totally antithetical to the American idea. So that's the first thing, racism. They're using racism for all, all of this, this Marxist movement. This, and, and the thing with Marxism is it gets rid of the individuality of people and it gets rid of property rights. And those two things, the individual and property rights, are what has made America so unique and has pulled so many people out of poverty. And, and what uh, Mayor Hancock is headed towards here is putting people into groups and you won't be able to get, um, you know, rise any higher than what they say the group is. The next thing is public health crisis. My friends, if you have not been terrified at the weaponization of the health departments against everyday people, closing down their businesses under the guise of trying to protect them. We need to walk back this power that has been given to these um, public health departments. And, uh, and that has been, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long plan. I many times say the, the Marxist left is playing uh, chess and we're playing maybe tiddlywinks over here. We need to realize that this has been a long time in coming, and we need to elect people in November that is going to walk that back. And then the last thing is 
requiring a vaccine. Uh, Once again, there's your force words there, require. And we know that coming down the pike, we've seen this in the last last legislative session and this legislative session, is this movement to forced vaccines. And I think we all agree that that, you know, it's been good that, that we've had vaccines that, uh, you know, um, would actually, well, you know, for childhood diseases. Although I have to tell you, instead of the vaccines for measles, mumps, and rubella, I had the measles, I had the mumps, and I had the chicken pox, Steve, <laughs> as oh, a kid. I'm very comforted. Thank you. <laughs> but that's as long as you're on your side of the glass and I'm on my side of the glass. Uh, so my point is, is that we need to have informed consent instead of forced. And so just within that sentence that was in Mayor Hancock's State of the City address this last weekend, we need to see that there is um, his, his agenda is towards Marxism instead of towards the American idea. And we need to be, need to be pushing back on that. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, uh, it's so great. There's finally some sports, Steve. Um Although I haven't had time to really watch them, but it's just kind of comforting to know that we've got the Rockies, the Avalanche are going to start playing. And a great place to watch these games is over at Hooters Restaurants. They've got patios uh, that you can social distance, and uh, and they've got specials every day for lunch. A great happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. I was over there last week, and I had their fish and chips and uh, it was kind of a sleeper. It's really, really good. So I would highly, and that's on one of their lunch specials as well. So for more information, go to order.hooters.com. That's order.hooters.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dr. Jill Vecchio and her 10-point plan to fix health care in America. Recently, rates in the mortgage market have hit near record lows. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial notes that the COVID-19 Wuhan virus disruption has created potential opportunities to refinance your mortgage that could save you thousands of dollars. And for those senior listeners who may be looking for another source of income, exploring a reverse mortgage with Lauren Levy may be a solution. With over 17 years in the mortgage industry, Lorne Levy has the experience to answer your questions. Call Lorne Levy at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881 for a mortgage checkup today. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, as well as you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. We'd appreciate it if you would go over to Facebook and give us a like as well. On the line with me is Dr. Jill Vecchio. She's probably the star of our Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. We've done a number of them. The one last week was, a, 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 I would say it was, it got robust. It's a great one. Uh, Patty said she listened to it, and she said, yeah, that, you guys really had a conversation. So, Dr. Jill, welcome to the show. Good morning. And you are, are one of the few people in America that read the PPACA, Obamacare, the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act. And uh, you are one of the foremost experts, I think, on health care policy in the United States, uh, Dr. Jill. And you know, I've talked to a number of young people, and they said, you know, we need to, uh, Trump, the Republicans, need to come up with a plan regarding health care. Because these young people out there, 
they they are buying health, their uh, health care and their premiums are very expensive. Their deductibles are so high that it's almost like they don't have health care. And so uh, you said, um, you know, that you would buy, take that on. So what is, uh, where are you at on that, Dr. Jill? Well, I can, I can tell you it's not just the young kids that have that problem. We all do. Where, you know, you're paying these ridiculous premiums and you have such a high deductible that you never actually use the insurance that you're paying these premiums for. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And I'm going to give you a list. First, let's talk about the underlying problem. The basic problem in our healthcare today is that the person getting the care and the person giving the care are bureaucratically separated by the person paying for the care. Okay. That is the bottom line. Simple solutions. I'm going to list some stuff off. I've got some lists for you. Okay. So I'm going to list these off because we have very little bit of time, but we're going to do a podcast tomorrow. We're right. going to record a podcast tomorrow where we're going to go through this all in detail. And I'm, I'm a healthcare policy fellow for Centennial Institute and also a healthcare um, in, um, issues instructor for leadership program in the Rockies. So I'm used to addressing this pretty um, succinctly and hopefully so everybody can understand it. But there's, you know, there's so much to know about healthcare. And so we'll do, do a deeper dive tomorrow, yes, in the, yeah. in the podcast. So, so here's, here's the teaser, you know, and, and <laughs> then tomorrow you can have your crayons in your hands and take notes. Simple solutions. we got ten solutions. Number one, price transparency. All providers should have to post their prices. That includes pharmacies. The insurers play a game, and the, the insurers and the providers play this game together where there's this black hole. Since we have somebody else paying for our health care, we never know what it costs. Mm-hmm. And they, they mess around with the prices so that there's things, this thing called charges and this, this thing called reimbursement. And the charges are ridiculous numbers, and those are the numbers you hear in the news. Those are the numbers everybody talks about, went to the ER, $100,000 visit, when actually the majority of the time the provider actually gets paid about 10 to 30% of what they charge they never get paid that big hundred thousand dollar number that you see on a bill that's sent to you by the insurance company you never they never get paid that they all they get paid from the insurers and third-party payers most of the time 10 percent of that number now jill just a quick question do they do that so that they can uh write that other uh 70 to 90 percent off and, and right. so they, uh, they don't have to pay taxes. Partly, partly. And, and, and if somebody doesn't have insurance, then they're going to hit that person up for that full charge. And that's happened to me. Wow. They tried to, they tried to hit me up for $90,000 for a hospital bill for a cancer surgery because my insurance hadn't paid them quickly. And it turns out the insurance paid them $9,000, and that was it. And I didn't know anything. Okay. 10%. But I would have had to pay $90,000. It puts the fear of God in people. That's a huge part of the problem. Yeah. Pardon? It puts the fear of God in people. They're like, that would bankrupt bankrupt me. Yeah. You think that you can't, there's no way I have to have this full insurance policy. I could never pay those huge amounts. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't have to pay those huge amounts because the insurance company doesn't pay it. So why should we ever have to pay those big amounts? We, We shouldn't. Okay. So post prices, we got to break that cycle. Number two, minimize insurance mandates. Every state, and well, Obamacare changed all that too. So Obamacare had this whole list of um, uh, 
services that every insurance policy sold had, under Obamacare had to supply, had okay. to cover. And that includes so, so single men and uh, postmenopausal women and like an 80-year-old man is having to pay for uh, not an 80-year-old, but somebody like an elderly gentleman not yet on Medicare is having to pay for um, childbirth services, like oh. right, pregnancy mm-hmm. services. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, car seats for new babies. I mean, it's ridiculous. The things that are that everybody has to pay for, and a whole lot of those services they don't use. So we got to get rid of that system so that you will have the option to pay only for insurance that you may potentially need, right? Okay. You may potentially need based on your age, your risk factors, and that sort of thing. Okay. So we want real insurance. Now we have prepaid health care. Health care covers everything you're going to have. It covers all your vaccinations. It covers all of your um, mammograms, PSA tests, uh, physical exams, all that stuff. Let's get rid of the all-encompassing prepaid health care where we're paying these ridiculous premiums for care that a lot of it we we could pay cash for. Mm-hmm. And that would decrease the insurance premiums. If they posted prices, we could then choose and negotiate and shop around for the best price for the services that we really want. So we have real insurance, just like our car insurance, right? You don't pay your car insurance. We've said this a million times, but you don't, you don't, your insurance doesn't cover when you need new tires or an oil change. Mm-hmm. That's how we have to look at health insurance the same way. Okay. Now, uh, number four, expand health savings accounts. And I think you talked to Sally Pipes about some right. of this, but mm-hmm. I may have some extra ideas about how we expand health savings accounts to where you can accumulate it, use it, think of it as a 401k. Your employer can contribute to your HSAs, and some of them are already doing it. Uh, But the HSAs are where you're going to pay for the everyday kind of health care, whatever ongoing health care, mammograms, physical exams, basic health care, inexpensive pharmaceuticals, that sort of thing. You're going to pay for that out of your HSA, but you should be able to accumulate a bunch of it You should be able to pass it on to your heirs. You should be able to donate it to a charity that could then use it only to pay for health care expenses for people who are having trouble paying for their health care. Okay. The the use of HSAs really needs to expand, in my opinion. Okay. Number five, separate insurance from the workplace. The reason the pre-existing conditions is an issue is because health insurance is tied to the workplace. So if, when you lose your job, you lose your insurance. We need to own our own policies. Number six, post prices again. Price transparency is the key to this whole system. Number seven, allow flexibility in risk pools so that you could join a risk pool with an association, which Trump already set up. You could have risk pools like they have with the uh, MediShare uh, so there, so we have fewer people who have to buy an individual policy. I'd okay. love to see nobody have to buy an individual policy. If you can buy a group policy, then pre-existing conditions aren't included. You know, they can't penalize you for pre-existing conditions. Okay. So let's have everybody in some kind of a group policy. Number eight, pharmaceutical reform. Trump is working on it. We'll see if it gets passed. It can go a whole lot further. When you get price transparency, we need pharmaceutical reform. They're playing the same black box game with charges and prices with insurance companies that other providers are paying are playing okay last one post prices price transparency that is key absolutely key and we need to demand it that can be a consumer driven issue 
some places are starting to do it. Everybody needs to do it. Let's see. I have no more minutes. Okay. Uh, so are doc we out of time? Yeah, we are <laughs> out of time. So, Dr. Jill, yeah, we're going to take a deeper dive on this tomorrow. You and I will record this podcast. We'll roll it out in the weekly newsletter on Sunday, and then it'll be on the website. But uh, thank you. Finally, we have a 10-point plan that actually will uh, fix health care here in, in Colorado. And uh, thanks for putting this together, Jill, and then we'll do the deeper dive on that in the podcast. Sounds great. Take okay. Care. You have a great day, Dr. Jill. You too. Bye-bye. And uh, Jason McBride with um, Presidential Wealth Management. What do you think of that 10-point plan? Well, it, it's better than no plan at all. That's for dang sure. <laughs> it's a good plan. And I'm hoping that these politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties will start to listen. But probably the main way they're going to listen is we as everyday people, if we start to put pressure on them. But uh, wanted to talk with you. Uh, you know, we've been talking about earnings because it's mm -hmm. earnings season. And you've been breaking out, you know, earnings per share and explaining that to our listeners this week. But uh, I, I, you said there's a little deeper dive that we can do on earnings this morning. Well, there's, uh, uh, you know, one more piece left, I think, that's important to take into consideration, Kim, when you talk about earnings per share. And one way to increase your earnings per share is to reduce the number of shares that, uh, that you have outstanding. And that's going to increase the, the number of uh, or the, the earnings per share. And you know, we'll take Apple as an example uh, because they, they've been, uh, you know, I, the word's notorious for this, even though it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it has happened. So, for example, Apple's earnings for the March quarter, Kim, they haven't released their June uh, quarter yet, or we would use that. So their net income in March of 2020 bottom line after tax and everything was $11.25 billion. But last year, in 2019, in the March quarter, it was $11.56 billion. So if I do real quick math there, that shows me that their actual dollar net earnings were down about 3% year over year. Does okay. that make sense so far? It does. Okay. However, their earnings per share in this in the quarter were two dollars and fifty five cents a share versus two dollars and forty six cents last year, which is a four percent increase. So how does that happen? Well, it happened because Apple uh, in the 2019 quarter had four point seven billion shares outstanding. And in the 2020 quarter, they only had $4.4 billion. So over the course of the year, Kim, they had bought back uh, about 300 million shares of their stock and had reduced the number of shares out by about 6.5%. So had it not been for buying back the shares, uh, their earnings per share would have actually been down. Okay, that is fascinating. Tomorrow, uh, Jason, could we go through why a company would buy back their shares and how they go about doing that? I think people would, and that, at least that's the question jumping out at me right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. We can talk about reasons why a company would do that and how they do it and, uh, you know, whether it's it's good or bad or indifferent. Uh, I'm, yeah, happy to talk about that. But, uh, again, in Apple's case, the fact that they're – uh, earnings are up because there's less years. It's not necessarily good or, or bad, Kim. It's just you're, when you look, I mean, for, for a company that's supposedly such a big leader and a big grower, uh, when you really look, I mean, at least recently, there hasn't really been that much growth. Yeah as far as the money they're making. Right. And so that's why it's important to really look at these numbers. So their revenues were down, their earnings per share was up. I appreciate you explaining that. And then tomorrow, uh, it'll be our cliffhanger. Why would a company buy their shares back? So Jason okay. McBride, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Have a great show, Kim. Okay, thanks so much. And you can reach Jason at 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. He and his colleagues over there at Presidential would be happy to help you on anything that you needed to do regarding your economic well-being. We're going to go to break. <clears throat> and when we come back, we'll be talking with Gray Buckley. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He's a 35-year uh, uh, career state and local law enforcement officer and uh, find out what he thinks about what's happening in America regarding policing, our policemen, our police women, and also what's happening down at the Capitol. We'll be right back. Karen Levine has over 30 years in the real estate industry. The reaction to the COVID-19 Wuhan virus is presenting unprecedented and unpredictable opportunities and challenges in buying or selling your home. That is why you need to work with award-winning realtor Karen Levine. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Karen's expertise will help guide you through this crazy real estate market. Call Karen Levine at 303-877-7516 today. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Hey, welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Be sure and sign up for our weekly newsletter. I was talking to Dr. Jill Vecchio in the previous segment regarding her 10-point plan to fix health care here in America. And we're going to do a podcast tomorrow, and we'll roll that out on Sunday. I'm thrilled to have on the line with me Gray Buckley. Yeah, uh, Gray completed a 35-year career in state and local law enforcement in Michigan, Maryland, and Colorado. And he served as a member of the Maryland State Police as Assistant Director of Public Safety in Lakewood, Colorado, and as Senior Inspector Deputy Director of the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. He was an instructor at the American University, at the University of Colorado Graduate School of Public Affairs, and at numerous police training schools in Colorado, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Washington State. He helped build Lakewood's new police force and was part of the team that developed the CBI, where his focus was facilitating cooperation and coordination among Colorado's several hundred criminal justice agencies, and their interaction with colleagues in the rest of the United States and Canada. He's a past president of the Retired Peace Officers of Colorado. A very impressive resume. I'm thrilled to be talking with Gray Buckley. Gray, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So uh, 
policing here in America. Our police officers, our policemen and women, have really been under assault uh, to some degree. Talk to me a bit about policing here in America today. I'd say that it hasn't changed much in the past 100 years other than for technology and uh, a, an increase in intensity as they've got more and more to do and as workload increases uh, the staffing does not grow proportionately well and their workload is going up because why is it because the we've got politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties passing more and more laws and rules and regulations or why is their workload going up well you know that's part of it as long as we have the congress and the legislature meeting every year uh, there's always this compulsion to pass more laws and we have let's say uh, so many hours to prepare some police officer for work and if he's got 10 times as many laws to worry about it's obvious they're not all going to get the same uh, same emphasis as they used to the old basic laws you know about theft and murder right and those are ones that are pretty important because if you have theft and murder, then you don't have a safe community. And, uh, Gray, I served on city council in my community from 2012 to 2016. And one of the things I, I wonder, you know, words are so important. I'm wondering how we moved from the definition of our police men and women, our sheriffs, from peace officers to law enforcement. When, when did that occur? I think it was a uh, it's it's something that happened not within the police because their job did not change but we want to be sure we include sheriffs for example who have more than just law enforcement responsibility and federal investigative agencies that may have more law enforcement responsibility than than policing policing involves many things and probably only 5 or 10% is law enforcement. So what's the balance of it then, Gray? You've got maintaining order, preserving the peace, preventing crime, and in doing that, you're working with people next door and around the corner, uh, helping people. At, at 3 in the morning, you can't get the Supreme Court to answer your calls or a, or a prosecutor. You've got the first responders. That's where policing comes in. And uh, many people are surprised at the variety of, of work that a peace officer does. And it depends whether he works in the city or out in the country. But the nature is generally the same. Well, in keeping peace, peaceful communities, in some ways we've taken that for granted. Because what is happening now in many of these uh, Democrat-run cities and states uh, it's it's astonishing to me to see, for example, the video of what's happening in Portland, uh, even what's been happening down here in Denver or what was happened out in Aurora this last weekend. Uh, what's your comments on that, Gray Buckley? Uh, my first thought is uh, we're encountering something that is not happening every day of the week and hasn't happened before. And the chief has to think, now, what are we going to do now? How did we handle this the last time? And no one can remember the last time it happened. How does it, How do they handle it in New York City? Well, they'll send 500 officers over, and it's done. Uh, 
whereas getting 500 officers together here could take many hours, if not days. So it's uh, kind of a coin toss. You think of a, a chef going into the kitchen on a new job, and they say, get to work. We've got 30 customers, and here's the orders. And uh, he's got to figure out what he's going to do with what he has without making a bad situation worse. What about this narrative uh, that, that has come out of the George Floyd situation of, um, you know, and they're using this to, say, defund the police, you know, and, and that whole movement. What do you think about that, Great Buckley? Well, you've got one crowd that has to deal with the reality, and that's the police right then, right now. And then the others who want to spin a narrative without knowing the whole story. Or if they know the whole story, they don't want to tell it. And I doubt we'll ever know the whole story in that George Floyd case. It's certainly unfortunate. Nobody goes out there with uh, intending what happened to happen. But I, in my years, I have never, never had a case that I worked that was reported in the press completely or accurately. So with what is this narrative out there, and uh, again, the, you know, very tragic what happened with George Floyd, and something that is inherent within the U.S. Constitution is due process. And so George Floyd did not receive due process but we, we need to make sure, just because there is so much emotion going on with these issues out there, that we strive for due process as we are investigating the police officers uh, out here in Aurora. There, there's the, um, you know, they say that that happened because of the Elijah McLean case. And we need to always be striving for truth and justice and due process. I'm a bit concerned as we're starting to see petitions uh, that are trying to push public opinion. And public opinion can then move to a mob. And uh, mobs uh, actually typically don't make very good decisions. And so we need to make sure that we're, we're walking this back and making the case for due process, uh, Great Buckley. That's true, and the media plays the largest part in that, I think. And they're playing a huge part in that right now. Um, what's your comments about what's happening here in Denver, what happened out in Aurora last weekend? I'm surprised that it uh, that happened seemingly by surprise. Uh, that larger group of people doesn't get together just because the light didn't change. It uh, there's more that went on than, than we know. Actually, it's very, very well organized. Um, <clears throat> we got a hold of, um, you know, one of the kind of posters or the tweets or the memes that was uh, sent out last week uh, that they uh, were planning on now. I think it was, I don't know if it's Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday night that they were going to try to burn the Capitol. And uh, amazingly, there was uh, a rain that came in, and so that did not occur. Apparently, it's fair weather rioters there. They want to make sure that they have good weather for that. But this is very well organized. A few weeks ago, when the um, precinct in Aurora, the, uh, the doors were chained, uh, and our officers were in there for seven hours, I mean, that could have ended very badly. And uh, after, you know, they got done with the whole thing, found out that there were actually a staging area around there. There were gas cans full of fuel. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to, uh, scientist great to, to figure out that something, some people were trying to plan some very bad things there. And uh, everyday people need to kind of pay attention to this, Great Buckley. You've got 
got that exactly right. Okay. Planning's part of it. Organizing's part of it. Uh, preparedness is part of it. And uh, sometimes you uh, somebody interferes with the job you're trying to do. It comes as a surprise when a, an officer, particularly a young one, is getting ready to answer a call and somebody says, don't go over there. Somebody with authority. And uh, those are, are career-changing moments. So now what is that exactly, Gray? If, if, say, a young officer is, what, going to go to a scene and some and he's called back? Explain that to me. Well, it, it's the same thing. Uh, I'm reaching for the words here to save time. Uh you have a job to do. You sign up to do it, and then somebody says, no, today we're not going to do it. We're not going to worry about property today. Well, what if you were the fire chief, and it's just a building burning? How would the firefighters feel if they were told to stay in the station, depending where the fire was? Now, wildfires are a whole different scenario. You have to ignore some things to fight on the other frontier, but uh, policing is more property protection than life protection, life protection has the priority. But when you start putting a philosophy into real-time decision-making, uh, you got bad results. Right, and then Bad it's... results. If the administrator of a hospital tries to interfere with what's going on in the emergency room at 4 in the morning, uh, it's not going to end well. Okay. Well, Gray Buckley, we're, let's go to break. When we come back, I'd like to talk about the Capitol and what has happened uh, to that. If you take a look at it, it is a, it's just astonishing what it looks like. And uh, this is uh, Kim Munson. I'm talking with Gray Buckley. He's been in law enforcement for many, many years. Uh, so stay tuned. When we come back, we'll talk about the Colorado State Capitol. Predovich and Company understands that the COVID-19 Wuhan virus disruption has individuals and businesses scratching their heads with a variety of bookkeeping, tax planning, and accounting questions. Predovich and Company knows that you need trusted professionals to help you navigate these choppy waters. Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call Predovich and Company at 303-791-3000 to organize your personal and business finances. Call 303-791-3000 today. Now more than ever, it is important to have independent voices bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing us, our families, our communities, our state, our nation, and our world. The Kim Munson Show is one of those important voices. Kim is a truly independent entrepreneur. She purchases her broadcast time, which gives her total freedom in production of the show and scheduling of guests. If you'd like to support The Kim Munson Show, go to her website, kimmunson.com, and click on the Contribute button under Kim's picture. Kim greatly appreciates your help and support. Welcome back to The Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is kimmunson.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. We're going to be rolling out uh, Dr. Jill Vecchio's 10-point plan to fix healthcare in America, plus a couple of other podcasts and some op-eds. And go over to Facebook and give us a like as well. On the line with me is Gray Buckley. Uh, he's been in law enforcement in Michigan, Maryland, and Colorado for a long time. Very impressive resume. He's a past president of the Retired Peace Officers of Colorado. And that's really what I like to call our, our police men and women is our peace officers. Our, we want peaceful communities. We want safe communities. So, Gray Buckley, it's great to have you on the show. 
talk, let's talk about the Colorado State Capitol. Uh, I was down there right after Memorial Day, and it was starting to be desecrated and defaced. But uh, I have some recent pictures. In fact, if you go to my website, we have one of the Capitol uh, with Rick Turnquist's op-ed. And it is astonishing what has happened to the Capitol. Who's responsible to protect it, Gray Buckley? Well, the guy, uh, the guy in charge of the government is the governor of Colorado, and I think uh, he was not caught in the middle. He's sitting at the head of the heap there. I, I've, uh, I can't imagine this happening, and uh, and the police officers in Denver saying, "Oh, that's okay. We don't worry about that stuff." The police did what they were told to do, and uh, they weren't there to stop it. The patrol had instructions to to not stop it, which meant you stand and watch. Which is a it's like asking a doctor to stand and watch somebody die and not give him the give him the uh, the shot that's going to save him. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that there were stand down orders not to do anything to protect the Capitol? As far as I know, nobody was permitted to interfere with what was going on there. And and somebody has to answer for that. You know, it, Gilbert and Sullivan said a policeman's lot is not a happy one. Uh, no matter what the officer does, somebody's going to be unhappy. And today with technology, we see these videos uh, of somebody shooting somebody and his mother standing there and saying, no, he didn't do that. He did not do that. The same thing happens in the courtroom. It's part of life, as my grandson said. You know, it's interesting that you mention um, video. I was talking with uh, someone yesterday, and he had mentioned regarding um, the, the George Floyd video. And he said that he had watched all of it, and that I guess there was, uh, and I've not watched any of the video because I, I just haven't. Um, but um, he said that the, from the security camera that was on a building, that there is video of one part of the initial George Floyd interaction, and then there's like six or seven minutes that there's no video, and then it goes to what happened over by the police car. <clears throat> and my friend's point was, is there is six minutes of video there. This was on, this was video from the building. Why have we not seen that? I don't know the answer, but uh, you mentioned something early, earlier, something about um, the, the, the media lets us know what they want us to know. And so that is just a question. What, what's your thoughts on that, Gray Buckley? Well, whoever said they saw the whole thing probably saw the whole thing that he was permitted to see. But there could be another six minutes somewhere that somebody's withholding to uh, help ensure a fair trial, for example. Okay. Or if the press has it, withhold it so they can sell more papers showing the few minutes that are the, the most uh, difficult. Okay. Okay. Next question. Uh, uh, somebody brought this to my attention that... It's curious that the Capitol, the Colorado State Capitol, you know, has really been defaced. But nothing has happened over at the city and county building, which is just across the street. I find that very curious, Gray Buckley. And I think it's curious that uh, something can happen spontaneously, but at the same time in 10 cities around the country, 
and uh, well, I can't say nobody notices. A lot of people notice, and I'm hoping in the long term this is all going to come out. Well, and regarding policing, there is this narrative that uh, that there's been police brutality, and that that uh, and because of that, defund the police. But what I learned when I was on city council is that city council's mayors, they are the ones that hire the police chief. And the police chief then really sets policy as the leader. So ultimately, the responsibility for what is happening with the police force goes to the mayors and the city councils. And all the places that seem to, quote unquote, be on on fire have been cities that have been controlled by Democrat mayors and city councils for years. So I wish people would connect that those dots on that, Gray Buckley. And realize there's a difference in philosophy. Uh, what's the worst evil, the police or the criminal? And uh, different people answer that different ways. Well, and we look at what's happening in Chicago. Uh, with uh, last week, it was, oh, I can't remember, a number of shootings. Uh, New York City, uh, they've had a 220% increase in shootings from last year. Now, you tell me, as a, a mom, uh, say, living in the inner city, that you can't get your kids out of public schools because you can't, because there's no school choice, and you're you're probably terrified each weekend at what is going to happen in your neighborhoods and you certainly would want to call the police and have them show up and so you know i think ultimately this hurts people that 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 quote unquote this movement says that they're trying to protect uh your thoughts gray on that well we've got to remember that there's only uh, we we hear about crime rates increasing or not increasing and crime really isn't that great but crime is great uh, crime rates are figured by population versus numbers of crimes. They should be figured by square miles. Crime is becoming more frequent and more intense, and we've got a terrible example in New York City of catch and release. You know, you can rob a store, and, and 10 minutes later, after you're caught on video, you're turned loose. And it's no wonder crime's doubled. I expect it to double again in New York City. Well, I remember before Giuliani became mayor of New York City, it I, people said it was so dangerous. And I think that sometimes, well, I, I think this is on the left, is, is, and I'm thinking about it on the way in this morning, is the left, uh, there's never really a solution. You know, everything's scarce. And, and uh, even like with the COVID-19 thing, it's, oh, so many people are going to die. They never think about the creativity that we're going to come up with treatments that actually will save people's lives. It's the same thing with what's happening in, happening in New York. Um, people start to believe that this crime is the new normal. But then you look at what happened when Juliana came in, and they reversed that. So we can fix these problems. So what should we do, Gray Buckley? You have to go back to the basics, and I think the police are working with the basics all the time. You get to a situation and you have to try to resolve it. And if there's somebody there that's a danger, you, you lock him up until somebody with more wisdom decides, this is what we'll do to prevent this from happening again. And when you have somebody that's been arrested 30 or 40 times, it should be a felony to release him again to prey back on the same victims. It's just common sense. Well, it is common sense. So what can common people, what can everyday people 
like me do regarding what is happening in our cities with this whole defund the police and, and all this movement? What can I do? Everybody needs to be mindful of their civic responsibilities. Look out for their, their neighbors. Look out for their, their families. Try to be responsible about what you do and where you do it. And if you see a fire, call the fire department. If you see a crime or somebody in danger, call the police. That's what they're there for, and that's what they signed up for. Okay, and what other— and if you're on a mayor, if you're a mayor, don't call the chief in the middle of the night and say, don't mess with that. It's just a building. Let, let them burn down City Hall. That's, that's crazy. I'm being kind. <laughs> yes, uh, that is crazy. One other note I wanted to uh, just make, and that is that while police chiefs are hired by the city council and the mayor, so if you don't like what's been happening, like, for example, in Minneapolis with the policing, then you need to look at the mayor and the city council, and that has been a Democrat-run city for a long time. But sheriffs are elected by the people. Uh, so explain that just a little bit, the difference between the two, Gray Buckley. Well, the, uh, the sheriffs are going to be sensitive to the people, the wishes of the people. The chief is, has to be sensitive <laughs> to, the, to the mayor and to the city manager who, who have to who approve the chief's policy. If the chief has a policy they don't like, either the chief will go or the policy will change. Uh, the sheriff is a, is a very, is, I'm going to say, the most sensitive person in the law enforcement system because he, uh, he makes the policy in his department. And accountable to the people. So, Greg Buckley, this has been a terrific conversation. We have one minute left. What is the final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners? Uh, remember the basic rules. They're in the Ten Commandments. They make sense. And uh, if you don't like what your government's doing, tell them about it. But I suggest you don't stand in front of a speeding car or uh, try to block ambulances and fire trucks for saving lives. <laughs> well, that's for sure. So we do need to do our civic duty. And uh, also, I think that we need to let our police officers know that we appreciate them. What, you know, in any profession, Gray Buckley, there's always going to be a bad apple here or there. And when that occurs, we need to have due process uh, to be able to uh, get to justice on that, uh, Gray Buckley. So thank you so much for joining me this morning. I, I have a last thought, and that is... Uh police need all the friends they can get. And when you're being approached or you're approaching them, uh, there are two kinds of hand signals you can give. And I recommend a friendly wave. Uh, I, I recommend that as well. That would be with all fingers on your hand for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> Great Buckley, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Okay. And our quote for today is Florence Nightingale. She says, live life when you have it. Life is a splendid gift. There is nothing small about it. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. <laughs>